Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Now, some are saved by fire. That's not a bad thing. But it is the goodness of God oftentimes. Sometimes it's the grace of God, just the fact that God is good when we're bad. That'll cause a person to come on back to the Lord. And so sometimes as believers, we're, we're witnessing the people and, and, you know, you might just want to just show God's goodness to them. Let, let them experience the goodness of the Lord through you over time, because the goodness of God has a way about softening our hearts. I found this in my life. There are times where I know I don't deserve and then God blesses me. You know what it does? It breaks my heart. Have you ever heard the saying, kill him with kindness? It means no matter how someone is acting towards you, you should be as nice and hospitable as you can possibly be. That can be hard to do sometimes. But haven't you ever been shown kindness when you didn't deserve it? In today's message, Pastor Bill explains how sometimes it's the goodness of God that can cause someone to change their ways. God blesses you when you don't deserve it. And therefore, you should show God's love to others. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 as he continues his message, coming back to God. How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? And I, I think there's, it's very simple. I think first prayer is one way where I'm gonna strengthen myself in the Lord. Uh, I know for me, there are times where it, it might be just going through scripture, um, going through God's word, rehearsing back what God said to me, what his word says, and I'm strengthening myself. There's, I, I have nothing but God's word to go on. That's where I'm going to find my strength. That's where I'm going to find my encouragement. Uh, if my outward circumstances are discouraging, I got to look at what God has said. Now, I wonder what was David considering? What might he have? What, what could he be considering that would bring strength to him, that would reinvigorate him, that would encourage him? And one thing I thought of is this. God had spoken over David what he would be. Amen. And David's not yet fulfilled all that God had said yet. And I wonder if that wasn't something that David said, no, I know I'm more than I know I'm supposed to do something more than die right here at the hand of these these guys. Um, whatever the case is, he he turned back. Um, we'll see now that he's going to turn back. He's going to now inquire. Uh, this will be followed up with prayer and seeking the Lord and hearing from God. All those things that say that the relation with the Lord, that as soon as he turned back to the Lord, we're going to find that God was present and willing uh, to meet him right there. And that just for me reading this, I'm like, man, David, you've been gone for a minute, bro. You was in the caves and discouraged. And then you came to talking to yourself in chapter 27 and you was killing people and lying and living. I'm, you've been going the wrong way, a long way. But as soon as he turned back to the Lord, the Lord's like, I'll take you. We need to know that. I think so often believers get convinced that that, you know, God is waiting to to, to pounce on you, waiting to punish you, waiting to. But that's just not the, the picture we get in Scripture. Right. The prodigal son, the day he the boy, the day he got back, father just saw him coming way down, ran out, fell on his neck, kissed him and received him just for coming back. And when we return to the Lord, you need to know that the Lord is quick to receive us. We're slow about coming back. He's quick about receiving us. Uh, it's, that's his will. It's his desire that we will come back. So, so David turns back. He strengthens himself in the Lord. Verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now, 
Why did he do that? The ephod had something in it called the Urim and the Thummim. And this was something that the priests would use to seek the will of God. So in that era, if you wanted to seek the will of God, that's why you needed priests. That's why Saul was so dumb that he killed all the priests. And then he was like, oh, no, why God is not speaking to me. Yeah, you know, he killed them all. You know, you wiped out all the priests and run them all away or whatever. So David had, you know, he had uh, Ahimelech's son and he asked him to bring the ephod so that he could inquire of the Lord. Verse eight says, so David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So a couple things I want to point out and I want to I want to make sure we get this because then we're going to read story. Right. David has been away from the Lord. David has been disobedient to the Lord. David has been sinning against the Lord. David been killing folks, raiding things, doing wrong stuff, was almost going to go to war against God's people with the Philistines. God blocked it and stopped it. And so finally, now there's some brokenness in David's life that causes David to say, I need help. I need God. I got nowhere else to go. Everything and everyone has turned on me. I have nowhere else to go but God. I got nowhere else to look but up. And as he looks up to God, this again, I love this for us. God is available. Right now. Again, I, I think about people. If somebody rebelled against you, dogged you out, went against you, did stuff they shouldn't did. And, and then when they had no other option, turned back to you. Y'all ain't like God. Y'all, oh, oh, now you, oh, oh, now you calling. Um, you know, that, that's how people would do you. But we need to, we just need to know that God is not like people. Um, people aren't merciful like God is merciful. People aren't long suffering like God is long suffering. Um, I, I'm amazed at this, that God doesn't, he's not, God doesn't put us on, he's not on a, a punishment. God doesn't say, well, hold on now. Let's, we got to talk about what you've been doing, David. Um, when David turned back to the Lord, and David sought the Lord. The Lord listened. The Lord heard him. It says he, uh, so David asked the Lord a specific question. Shall I pursue them? You know, shall I, Lord, is it your will? Do I go pursue these troops? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him back. A command with a promise. The command, pursue. The promise, you shall surely overtake them and will without fail recover all. So David gets instruction from the Lord, going to pursue them, and he gets a promise. So I want you to know when you go to war, when the Lord is spoken and God says, look, you're going to go, you're going to win, you're going to recover everything without fail. You're not going to lose anything. Um, you can go in confidence. Amen. If God is the one. So David's been going out before hoping. I hope it works out. Um, maybe he was leaning on his own strength because he had strength. Uh, he was a warrior. He was able to put together a he was able to put together a valiant army out of 600 misfits. Right. And so David maybe been leaning on himself. But at this point, that's all over with because it's all been stripped away. Something I would say to us, don't make God have to strip everything away for you to live like you're dependent on the Lord. For some people, if you, they got a little bit, they'll depend on everything but God until everything else is stripped away. Don't do that. Don't 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 make God have to. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have a lot of resources and a lot of power and a lot of gifts and still be 100 percent dependent on God. Or you can have a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of things and be dependent on yourself. And and, and sometimes in those predicaments, God's like, man, not until I wipe out all the stuff, you won't look to me. You won't be dependent on me. 
And we see examples of this in scripture. I think of King Asa in 2 Chronicles um, chapter 15. He was a king who he really started out well, doing well, but a little victory, took spoils, became wealthy. And a man who started out his reign as king seeking God by faith. Later on in the middle of his reign, when the enemies came, he said, hey, 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 hey man, we got, we got money in the treasury for that. We ain't got to, he didn't pray, he didn't seek the Lord. He said, man, go in the treasury and take out this much and give it to them. Let them go fight for us. And it worked. It worked. And later on in his life, it says in the 39th year of his reign, he got sick with a foot disease. And the Bible is clear with us that, and then it says in the 41st, so two years later, year of his reign, he, rest, he died of a foot disease. Um, and it, it tells us that he did not seek the Lord, but, but instead he sought the physicians. Because when you got money, right, I'm, I got the best of doctors. Well, he died with the best of doctors. But somehow his wealth kept him from looking to the Lord. We want to be careful that having a few things doesn't keep us from looking to the Lord and being dependent on God. Um, because if need be, God loves you enough. He'll strip away them little things so that you can see that he's all you ever needed in the first place. And so the Lord speaks to David, uh, gives him the, the command to pursue, gives him the promise that he's going to recover all without fail. Now, verse nine and 10, it says, so David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind for they were so weary that they could not cross the book Besor. I told you earlier, I think it was the chubbies. Uh, you know, David, out of the 600, there was 200 said, we, 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 just did the, we just did 25 miles a day to get home. And now, no, we're not it. We're going to stay here with the stuff. And so um, I don't know if they were fat or whatever, but, uh, you know, the, these, the 200 was too tired to keep going. So they stayed back and uh, they're going to hang back. And that, there'll be a story for them a little later. So these 200 stayed back. The other 400 press on with David. Verse 11. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and they brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And I'm going to stop right there. Um, they found this Egyptian and I want you to note that their knee jerk response was kindness. Right. Uh, they found this guy. He looked like he was run down, beat up. Like maybe he was was sick. We'll find out. Um, and he, he looked like he must not have been doing well. And they gave him something to eat and they gave him something to drink. Did they have to do that? No, they didn't. Uh, he's, he, could they have run him over? Could they have wiped him out? They could have done a lot of things. I just want you to note that this initial, this, this initial response of kindness pays back in just a moment. So it says they saw him in the field. They brought him to David. And before anything else, before they got any information out of him, they gave him something to eat, gave him something to drink. Verse 12 says they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, two clusters of raisins, so when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? So once he's strengthened and encouraged and his life and vitality come back because he's eaten and drinking, David asked him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind 
because three days ago I fell sick. I just want to just throw that out there about the enemy. Isn't that messed up? He was part of the group. He was just a slave or a servant of the Amalekite. He's an Egyptian. And he got sick. So they said, man, they left him in the field. That's the enemy. That's how the enemy will do you. Where the enemy will wear you out, run you down. And when you're no longer beneficial to the enemy, he'll just kick you to the curb. Um, that's, that's what I see here. I, I just see uh, th- this guy was, you know, he had been just left. You know, he hadn't eaten or drunk for three days. If they hadn't have found him, he probably would have died out there. Um, but they, they rescue him. And this is going to be how David and his men find out where their stuff is at. Uh, I think this is, again, divine is providence. You know, God said, hey, they, they, they think they just leaving him behind to die, but I'm going to use him. I'm going to use this Egyptian. All things are working together for the good. Amen. Those that love God. So even this sick Egyptian that belonged to the Amalekite who probably went when they raided, we're going to find out because he knows all the information. Um, he's going to give David all the info that he needs. Look at verse uh, 14 now. So he, he now gives information. He says, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. That was home for David and them. So now got to be careful here, right? Because now you done heard the guy. He was like, yeah, we burned. We, we, I was there. We burned Ziglag with fire. I don't know if he knew that David and them was the people from Ziglag. But imagine somebody telling you, yeah, you know, I was we, we, we burned up Inglewood. You know what I'm saying? I burned your house down. I did that. You know, um, I don't know if he would have said it so boldly if he had known that it was these guys stuff. But he already let the cat out the bag and let them know we, we burned it with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? Why? Because that's the troop that the troop that burns Ziglag with fire is the troop that got his wives and everybody else's stuff. And so David asked him if he can take him down. And uh, the young man said, so he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. So this, this young man was a slave and he said, I'll, I'll show you where, but promise me you're not going to turn me back over to him. He had already left me to die. So you promise me you're not going to turn me back over to him when we get there. And it says in verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And so, again, I want you to imagine David and his men are taken by this this, this Egyptian slave. And now they see all the men that ravage their stuff. I'm sure the wives and children are down there. And they're watching these men are turning up. They partying. They probably, I don't know how they cook back then, but they probably got, I, I'm imagining big turkey legs and there's a bunch of drunks running around eating and, you know, just, just, we, they just, they just have, they just got all this spoil and they're celebrating. For them, it's a celebratory time. But David now has eyes on the men that got his stuff. And so, Um, Verse 17, it says, then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except for 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And so verse 18, just like the Lord promised David. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. 
Something else I want to point out to us about coming back to the Lord. Oftentimes when people are away from God, they come back. There's there's loss involved with being away from the Lord. It may be loss of time. It may be the loss of, you know, whatever it is that God had called you to do that you're not doing in that season of time. But something that we see in scripture is that God has a way of restoring. Um, I think one of the, 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 the greatest works of God is salvation. One of the, I would say the second greatest work is God is, he's a wonderful about restoring. And God will restore things that were lost and seasons away from God and periods where things weren't being done right. God has a way of restoring. And what he does for David here, we're going to see in a little bit, he doesn't just restore everything they lost. They get everything that they lost and some. And I'm thinking, what did David do to deserve a reward right now? Everybody think that through with me. What has David done to deserve a reward or a blessing from the Lord? Nothing. They didn't him anything. This, this is grace. All you did was turn back to God whom you never should have turned away from in the first place. I don't know if that's worthy of a reward, right? Um, you should just be glad he's willing to have you back. This is grace. This is God giving you what you don't deserve. You don't deserve to be able to just come in and out of his life, but he lets you. You don't deserve to, to get your stuff back, but he's going to let him. And he's going to bless him even beyond that. And again, I just want to point out to us, for all the reasons that people would run from the Lord. Some people run from the Lord because they've sinned and they've messed up. And they think, they, some people think God is like the boogeyman. You know, uh, someone has said it, it's, 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 it's God the Father, not the Godfather. You know, um, that God is, you, you can come back to the Lord. And um, we have to be better about inviting people back. Sometimes Christians uh, can be the ones to push people away, you know, um, trying to, you know, just wanting to scare people and, and, and everything. It's like God is God's the Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. Right now, some are saved by fire. That's not a bad thing, but it is the goodness of God. Oftentimes, sometimes it's the grace of God. Just the fact that God is good when we're bad, that'll cause a person to come on back to the Lord. And so sometimes as believers, we're, we're witnessing the people and, you know, you might just want to just show God's goodness to them. Let, let them experience the goodness of the Lord through you over time, because the goodness of God has a way about softening our hearts. I found this in my life. There are times where I know I don't deserve and then God blesses me. You know what it does? It breaks my heart. I'm like, man, God, you're so good. And I'm I just want to be better. Right. It doesn't make me want to sin more. It doesn't make me say, I messed up and I still got blessed. I'm going to mess up some more. It doesn't do that. When I've messed up and I know I'm, I'm not where I need to be and God just blesses, it, it breaks me. It's like, God, I, I, I need, I want to be better. Here's, you, you are so good no matter what. I just want to be a better son. I want to be a better believer. I want to be a better Christian. And so we need to remember this about the Lord for ourselves and for those that we're trying to reach, Right. Uh, sometimes this part of who God is, is not proclaimed enough. Um, and so people that don't know God, they don't know God like we do. Um, if we misrepresent them, they're people that get left with the impression that they can't just come. You know, you hear people say things like, nah, if I, if I walk into that church, the walls are cave in on me. That's not how it works, buddy. As a matter of fact, you walk in the church and get right. The Bible says the angels will rejoice. There'll be a celebration. You think if you walk in, God's going to just incinerate you. And God's like, that's not what he would do. Um, so we want to be careful about how we present the Lord. God is merciful and gracious. Even the God of the Old Testament is merciful and gracious. Amen. And so, again, David comes back. 
You know, he cries out. God listens. He prays. God hears. Um, he asks. God responds and he goes and God delivers. Now they, they, they get all their stuff back. They recovered all. Verse 20. Then David took all the flocks and herds which they had driven before the other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. So in addition to getting their stuff back, because remember, they, the, the Egyptians, said they, we, we raided, we, we burned Ziglag, but we had been raiding the area of the Philistines too. We, we've, been, we've been cleaning up. And so David got all their stuff, but now we got other stuff. And David said, this is mine. I'm claiming this. Um, he claimed this as his spoil. And I like what David does. There's a little bit of a, 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 a issue with his guys. Remember the 200 guys that stayed back? And 400 guys went and fought. There's going to be a little bit of a, a issue but, but between the, the 400 and the 200. Did the 200 that stayed back deserve anything? They didn't go. They were too tired, fat, whatever it was to go. The 200 that stayed back, do they deserve anything? 400 went. Do they deserve it? The 200 stayed back. Do they deserve any? Oh, come with me. This is good. Verse 21. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also made stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with them. And David came near to the people and he greeted them. So David comes back to the 200 that were waiting there and they see him coming back. They know that it's a victory. Um, so David comes back. They see him. He sees them. Verse 22. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. So, and I want you to get this. All the wicked and worthless men said they can't have none. They don't, they don't get none. Y'all, I'm a, y'all get y'all wives and kids and it is y'all depart. Y'all get on up out of here since y'all didn't come. That's what the wicked and worthless men said. And I want you, that's, that's just the way of the world. The, the wicked and worthless, these men, these are some carnal men that are in David's army. They're like, nah, we went up, we was out there. And I understand it from a, if, if I go work, right? I've been, I worked, I mean, I went out there, I put my life on the line and you was over here kicking back on the cooler, I, you know, in, in normal things. I don't think you deserve it neither. But the kingdom is different. The kingdom of God is not like the world. And David is going to lay out a principle here that we need to know as believers. Look at what it says in verse 23. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who gave it to us? Don't forget that. They think they went and got it. David said, nah, 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 nah. Now, we, you will not do this with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us, kept us alive and delivered into our hands the truth that came against us for who will heed you in this matter. But as is, but as his part is who goes down to the battle. So his part, um, so shall his part be who stays with the, by the supplies. They shall be alike. David says, look, this, you guys, that's not, that's not going down here. He says the, those that stay back with the supplies get the same reward of those that go up and do the battle. Right. And David said, why? Because God gave this to us. David knows right now he's living on grace. And when you're a recipient of grace, you should be a gracious individual. Amen. Sometimes Christians 
who have received everything that we have by grace. I don't know what how I don't know how it happens. I don't know what happens in our heads, but somehow believers that have everything you have is by grace, unmerited favor of God's goodness upon your life. there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.